Hello and welcome to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. It is the 8th of November. We're getting very close to Christmas. And today I am joined by Gary Gibson because Dave is still... Oh no, he's back home now tonight. Where is he? Orlando, over Orlando. in uh, Disneyland. Yeah, and the family went um, across. Where's the young fella? Uh, he, he pulled a sickie today. Pulled the sickie. He wasn't here last week. Pulled the sickie this week. Tell you, if they don't turn up three weeks in a row... That's Th- it. That's it, has gone. They're fired. Yeah, yeah. They're fired. God, he might make it next week. <laughs> Glenn, don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we thought we'd get the uh, bit of expertise from a Leeds fan about all yes. things sport. Yes. Uh, do you want to do a, a summary on Leeds so far this year? Because there's been a few little ups and downs, isn't there? I'm trying not to. Every year it's the same. Being a Leeds fan, we've been in the championship and the league won for so long. And I try not to get overly enthusiastic or overly optimistic because at the moment we're top we're joint top with Norwich and on goal difference but then I get really sort of like saying this is it now this is our year there's about four or five of us in work that are lead supporters yeah and um get into it and then January just gone. gone and we like last year was such a good year and then we finished we didn't even end up in the playoffs yeah yeah it can change so dramatically can't it well so. I definitely think it's it is definitely the toughest league I know like that now in the Premier League there's there's four or five teams Arsenal Man U Man City Spurs and Liverpool mm. all vying last year it was just really a one horse race with City. Yeah. I still think City will win. Yeah, but Just I think in, not by the same margin. No, but I think in the Championship, it's so much harder. I think when you get into the Championship, if you don't bounce back straight away, you wallow there for years. Yeah, yeah. you know, well, you can see that Aston Villa are starting to do that now. You know, yeah. and if they could be stuck there for a while, yeah. uh, luckily, luckily for them, they've got a get out clause of someone else taking mm. over the club, but. And you've got um, Sunderland. You saw like Sunderland have done yeah. done on us, as I say. Yeah. They went into the championship and now they're in League One. Yeah. And um, like when you're when you're when you're a lead supporter and you're down in League One and you're in a you're in a ground that holds what maybe thirty five forty thousand, and you're you know you're barely getting five five thousand at a match. It was it was dreadful. Yeah. Like as a lead sport, and that's why I try not to. You know, I, my second team is really is Liverpool. I love Liverpool, and I sort of bit of a you soft spot. You can't have a second team. No, but I'm saying you have it, your team, and yeah. you have a soft spot. Yeah, I have a soft spot for okay. Liverpool, and a bit of a soft spot for Arsenal. Right, but um, it's just you, you do miss, particularly being on the telly. Yeah, you know, like when Leeds are on the telly. When I ha- I got Sky Sports for the month of the Ryder Cup, and then I got rid of it. But um, Leeds were on once or twice. And they actually look good. They're fairly, fairly yeah. good. But It's just so tough to get out of that league. You know? And that's so. why I think like it's it's massive. Like I think if you get into the, the, the Premier League, you're talking straight away nearly 50 mil. Yeah. 50 million for Leeds would be yeah. massive. And there was, I don't know, like Jerry, I don't know whether Jerry Whelan's still listening. Jerry's a, Le- a Leeds supporter as well. And we've had this debate and work about, uh, and Leo McFeely's another one, about Red Bull. Red Bull were sniffing around. Leeds last year right. and I thought it was I thought it was going to be brilliant and the lads were very lads were very anti it yeah. they sort of said look you know they've they've come in and they've you know they, they Leeds Leeds will probably be renamed Red Bull Leeds United like yeah, they come I wonder, in I wonder because there, there's already a couple of clubs called Red Bull Salzburg yeah. and Leipzig yeah I wonder if there's I wonder can you keep going around and calling every team Red Bull something or there I must think be they a, do but like I mean they're, they're like their Formula 1 team is Red Bull Racing yeah you know, yeah. and then they have, you know, the, the, the junior team is Toro Rosso. 
which is Italian for Red Bull. Mm. You know, so I think and Celt- Celtic tonight are playing uh, Red Bull. Red Bull, and I think Next they, right. I think they, if I, if I, I'll click here so you can click, see the scores. Look. I think they won. Oh no, sorry, they won one nil, nil up at half time, nearly just half time. So Chelsea uh, scraped a win, and Rangers beaten four three. Oh, that's terrible. That oh. Rangers <laughs> the the honeymoon period is definitely over for uh, Stephen Jarrett. All right, well, on the show we will uh, we'll be discussing. Slightly on the Mourinho taunting situation mm. last night. Uh, also, Graeme Souness's thoughts. Uh, there was a bit of a snatch and grab in that game, but we'll discuss that in a while. Darren Shields is on to talk. Uh, on he'll be in the phone to talk about the autumn internationals. Uh, we had a great victory last weekend mm. at the, the Irish lads. But I mean, it was Italy. Come on, a stiffer test this week. So mm. that, we'll see what Darren has to say about the team as well that's mm. been named. And uh, there'll be a few different things with the uh, bit of boxing, bit of under-21 manager situation. That It seems that's gone vacant. And, uh, of course, if you're not talking about a poppy, you're not talking sport. Yeah, <laughs> Even though it's nothing got to do yeah. with sport. So yeah. we'll, we'll leave that till later on. What are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to uh, a song that's really, really nice because Roy was a bit worried that I was going to play something weird. Done For Me by Charlie Putt. Back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Uh, if you want to text us, it's 087-062-7138. We're on all social media and uh, big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. Now, Manchester United played the other night and really wasn't the game, although it was a, a, a great victory for them in the end. Well, probably more of a snatch and grab. Didn't really play too well. Uh, two goals within four minutes. But it was Mourinho again grabbing the mm. headlines for his taunting. Yeah. Uh, what was your thoughts on that guy? Well, listening to the lads, they were saying that for about for two hours solid, he was getting dogs abuse in Italian. And obviously when he was manager of Inter Milan, he knew what they're shouting at him. Yeah. And I know it's sort of like you say, he shouldn't react. But I mean, if somebody's shouting abuse at you for two solid hours, eventually like... And I mean, okay, he went on the pitch... And um, he did the sort of like, because uh, I was looking at your big kickoff. He did. You haven't dressed like Hulk Hogan when yeah, Hulk used yeah, to do that. Yeah. Like all he was doing was, okay, now we've beaten you. Come yeah. on, what have you got? Now it was incredibly inflammatory. But I, what what I don't like about Mourinho is any team he has, it's all about him. He's a bit like the Trump of football. Yeah, that everything is about him. And but he tries to say, well, oh, I'm deflecting from the players. Yeah. I'm bringing all the attention to me and stuff like that. But it is all about him. He could have easily walked down the tunnel. Yeah. And yeah. just being happy with the win. Yeah. You know, because he must get, like every other manager, he must get abuse all the time anyhow. Mm. So. But, but I'm not saying, I'm not saying, and I do not say that anybody deserves it, but he does bring a lot on himself. Yeah. Because he says, you know, I'm the greatest. Da, 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 da. And I think wherever he goes, he's always bigger than the club. And with Inter Milan, when he was there, you know, 
he was just like he's a great. You can't take away from his his achievements. No, his like, achievements that's the are one. Great. His achievements are brilliant. But I mean, I would have been a definite. I hate. I hate. Well, I hope you don't support Man United. I hate Man United, and I hate. I hate Ferguson. Always have. And Mourinho would be. I'd have a begrudging, you know, like for him. I never liked. I never liked Ferguson. Never, right. never liked. Quite. I suppose as a, I don't know. Just as a, as a, I don't know whether it's something that you're just brought up as a Leeds supporter. A lot of Leeds, a lot of Leeds supporters hate Man United. Well, there, there was, there's, a, there's always been. They're not far from each other. So there's a bit mm. of a rivalry there. And mm. when they were in the the Premier League. Mm. They were a big club in the yeah, Premier League, yeah. so there would have been big games between yeah. the two teams. And it was it was meant to be very very vitriolic between right. the two sets of supporters. Like they did hate each other, you know. Like Man United and Liverpool hate each other. Yeah. Liverpool or Ma- Leeds and Man U. Leeds Millwall is another classic one. But um, Millwall yeah. and anyone. Millwall and generally anybody. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I. I begrudgingly said fair juice to him I mean like in a way um, I'm always worried about any team that has Chesney in goal yeah, I mean well. he's brutal like for that second goal he could have dealt with it he could have dealt with it came across like it was a fantastic cross in yeah. it came into the perfect area he should have come out he could have catched caught the ball catched the ball geez, caught the ball and knocked a couple of the United players out of the way because he would have got a free kick yeah. anyway but he sort of flapped at it be dominant yeah, yeah. and it sort of hit one it was cl- it was like a, a, a clown of a goal in yeah. a way. It hit one of the um, the Juventus players off the other, off the other, and then in. Alexandro went in yeah. off in the and end. And it was yeah. just like I mean, I'd now say the delivery was the, the main delivery, part. The wasn't delivery it? was brilliant, yeah. but I'd say if you were a Juventus supporter, you would have preferred to have lost to an absolute forty-yard screamer, yeah. top corner. I mean, to go out to a goal like that yeah. is just. Well, Jim White had a say on uh, Mourinho this mm. morning. Uh, at a time when Jose Mourinho was under a lot of pressure, I don't know if you guys remember, I defended him for his verbal outburst to the camera following United's late win over Newcastle at Old Trafford. Remember as he walked along the touchline. But Cuppany's ear to the home fans in Turin last night after United sensationally beat Juventus. Sorry, I today cannot defend them. It led to confrontation between uh, Mourinho, the Juventus players... It wasn't necessary. Yeah, Paul Scholes is right. It lacked class. Look at the situation. United were trailing to a brilliant Ronaldo goal. Mourinho, he rang the changes. The game turned dramatically in United's favour. He's brilliant at that. Josie is brilliant at that. That's why we love him. That's why he's different. Mourinho at the final whistle had won the technical battle. And that was that. That was and should have been his moment. What happened after that was petty, unnecessary, and it lacked class. It caused confrontation. He caused confrontation. Remember what happened when Chelsea assistant Marco Yanni ran past him in the away technical area at Stamford Bridge just a few weeks ago. Was it confrontational? You bet it was. Was Yanni punished? You bet he was. Did Mourinho react? You bet he did. Sticks and stones comes to mind to you guys sticks and stones I'd go further than that this morning though should managers be on the pitch at the end of a game anyway they're not allowed on it during 90 minutes why should they be on the pitch at the end of the match the pitch is for players and match officials and that should be that so last night Mourinho's tactical brilliance and I I emphasize that his tactical brilliance 
helped United to a memorable win against Juventus in Turin. Who knows what might happen now in that group? It's really propelled them forward. If only he'd just gone straight up the tunnel at the end of the match. We do not need the headlines that we're reading this morning. What's your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah, well, it's... Look, in theory, he's right. And it's like one of those old things, you know, if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle. Yeah. But I think it's, you're, never going, you're never going to get rid of it out of football. You know, you can say on one side, you can say it's passion. And then on the Jim's point is it's totally confrontational. Is it, though, a case that player or managers are not allowed to have banter with crowd? Or the crowd, is it one-way thing? The crowd can give everything, yeah, see, but they're not allowed but that's have what, the that's banter? But that's where I think it's, it is wrong in a way. Like, it, you know, you can't expect a human being and regard, you know, regardless of what way you feel about Mourinho he's a human being yeah. and if you're there for two hours getting absolute dog's abuse for two hours you, you, I, I question anybody not to react yeah. it'd be like if you, you know I'm, just, I'm not using it as a, out of context in a way if you and me were doing a live broadcast down in the village and some fella's standing in the corner yeah. and you're there for three hours doing the best you can and there's some fella shouting every time you're off air Shouting dogs abuse at you, you know. Eventually, you're gonna say, "Right, f, off, f off you. with you. Off we go. Let's yeah, let's." Yeah. let's I I personally I I don't I don't think he needed to do it. I can understand why he did it, but I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't. I think you've mm. seen managers do it hundreds of times before. I think they're kind of slightly picking on the Mourinho thing mm. at the moment. Again, Mourinho does himself no favors yeah. whatsoever. So I still uh, think I still think he's orchestrating. You know, I feel. From the start of the year, I think he's orchestrating a move out of United. Yeah, he he's, he's is. definitely trying. He's, yeah. he's trying to be provocative yeah. and trying to get himself sacked. What about Mick McCarthy and Graham Soonis? Yeah, well, we were trying to. Um, we were trying. You were trying to find the clip online, and again, I came. I was. I was being very healthy last night. I was out swimming, so I was in the Clarion, and I came in and I caught the end of it. So I switched it on, and I said to Sandra, "Right, do you mind? Just want to see it." And I switched on Virgin Media 2, whatever it was. And there was um, Soonis. And he was given out about um, sort of like Mourinho and taunting and doing the ear thing and all this type of stuff. And um, your man, I can't remember, who's the who's the uh, the Virgin Media fella that they've brought from? The, the, the fella, the anchor. I can't remember. Oh, he used yeah, to, I'm he sure used, what his name He is. used to be, but him. And I, I was nearly... I rarely get very irate. Well, Sandra probably says I do. Uh, I very rarely get irate at the telly. And I was actually going to, to text or tweet because I said, the hypocrite and fair Jews. I mean, I'm a big Mick McCarthy fan. Again, on the, the Keane McCarthy thing, I think you're either yeah. one side or the other. I would be Mick McCarthy. But, um, you know, fair Jews to Mick. He turns around and goes, hold on there, uh, Graham. I don't think you and me can talk because he says... Uh, you know, you stuck the flag in the Galatasaray. And I remember that when it was done. Yeah. That, like that, it was a, a Galatasaray flag Ga- in a Fernabachi. Fernabachi. Yeah, he, yeah. he smashed it into the centre circle, ran onto the pitch with a flag, smashed it onto the centre circle. And then Mick McCarthy said, oh, and I sort of slagged off the Norwich City fans yeah. when I was Ipswich manager. So like, you know. Slightly, slightly uh, taunting and slightly inciting a riot, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually would think that Soonis's one was worse. I of mean, like it was. the the Turkish fans are mental. Like, yeah. I mean, they're the ones that stabbed the uh, the Liverpool mm. people, and they've attacked buses and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah. And I thought Soonis, 
was sort of holier than thou. And I'm delighted, as I say, that Mick McCarthy said, you know, look, we can't really talk. We've yeah. done it. Yeah. So, I mean... He actually didn't say that after that. Then. No, he no. didn't. He was yeah. totally... Yeah. The legs were gone from underneath yeah. him. And I mean, the thing is, I think he would have been better saying, you know, in a way, look, we've all done it. Yeah. And uh, and in the cold light day, I did it at Galatasaray. And the minute I walked off the pitch, I regretted it. But to sort of, you know, say, you know, oh, it's disgraceful, Mourinho doing that. Again, the thing is, we're not... You you would be with Luke and United. I mean, I'm, I enjoy my football more. I pr- much prefer the rugby. But, um, you know, when you're on the sidelines, it's, you know, the, the passion can go, the red mist can descend, can, yeah. and people can do things that they ultimately regret. Yeah, I mean, that's it, more than likely, they were 1-0 up, dominant. Mm. The fans are giving them stick. You're rubbish, you're yeah. crap. Yeah. Your team yeah. is rubbish. Yeah. And rubbish is probably been a nice word. Yeah. And then at the end, they snatch and grab it 2-1. Yeah. And still, nothing's changed at Manchester mm. United. They, mm. they haven't been a better side just because no. they beat Juventus. No. But I'm probably entitled to turn yeah. around and just stick the hand up in the air like, no, wh- I mean, where he is now. Like, you could have turned around and given the fingers or whatever. Yeah. Like, it was just... It could, I, have, been, I, it could I, have been a hell of a lot worse. I, thought it, I don't I, think there's much Yeah, there. I thought it was just a... A cupping of the year, which I know is inflammatory, but yeah. it was just sort of like, okay, come on, yeah, yeah. what have you got to say now? You know, two two jammy goals. It was like the the Champions League final. Yeah, bang bang, two goals. Thank you very much. Now I think they're still crap. Yeah, like they're 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 dreadful. <laughs> well, they're, they're not they're not they're, good they're, to watch. They're yeah. not good to watch. And no. I mean, you know, I don't know. Like it's it, it, the the players he has. It's not a they're they're not a great squad. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the players though. I think it definitely is a mentality. Um, I think the two players that he actually David Moyes bought uh, came on and, and and changed the game a little bit. One Mata comes on and scores a free kick. Fellini and Fellaini just Fellini. Yeah. they were scared shitless. Fellaini. Well, well Mata's our Mata's free kick was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. Um, there's a few other games that went on. I'm going to quickly go over them. Liverpool got beaten by Red Star Belgrade two 0 I actually had them, you know, and hopefully there's not many people that know me that are big Liverpool fans. Jerry Miller, they were brutal. They were poor. Well, really in fairness poor. to Red Star, they stepped up. They mm. they went hell for leather at the start. Mm. Uh, second goal, great shot. Looked better than it actually probably was when mm. you see it. It was very close to the keeper, but they put a good shift in. And in the yeah. second half, they shut up shop and mm. Liverpool just hadn't got the, the, yeah. the answers. Mm. Bit of a question mark over Liverpool, but they've been great so far this mm. year. I think Manchester City are starting to show why they have a, a good chance yeah. this year. Although uh, Sterling's penalty was absolutely... Would you have got up and told the referee, listen, I tripped over myself? Yeah, I would have. Would you have? Yeah. A few people have said that now. Mm. Yeah, it's different, I suppose, it's, when it, you're it, in there. It reminded me of the De Canio, where yeah. the, the goalie pulled his hamstring yeah, yeah. and he just he grabbed the ball and he just went, whatever. Yeah. you know. Like Sterling could have just said, I mean, it was absolutely... It, it, it brings into question, what was the assistant doing behind the goal? What do they now? I, 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 you know, when I when I saw it on the television, I I can't fault the ref. When you saw it from the ref's view, the, the defender was in his line, yeah, and Sterling was in front of him, and Sterling fell over, yeah. But I mean, like, I was listening to Niall Quinn, who's a, who's not not the greatest to commentate. Like they were they were absolutely nearly pissing themselves yeah. laughing, yeah. Like yeah. they were saying, I can't believe he's given a penalty. And there was no real, and still no one can protest. understand. No, no one can you understand. Know. Yeah. So, and then I think the, the the camera panned across to Guardiola, and they were even talking on the bench, and you could see Guardiola doing a sort of yeah. He kicked the ground and he, he went over, and he went over, yeah. and they were saying we're after getting a penalty for that, but still six nil. Yeah. 
I it's mean, a, it's, it's scary. A, it's a it's hammer. very, very and scary. It's getting very common. One thing I was looking at a stat there: Manchester United haven't won uh, beat a team by five goals since Alex Ferguson in two thousand and thirteen. Mm. Since that time, now Manchester City have done it twenty two times. Yeah, it shows you the different mentality the two clubs have now. The only thing I think is most most other teams are hoping that Man City will be caught by the fair play. Yeah, because that just isn't going away. Like even Guardiola alluded to it in his press conference. Yeah, that he said yeah. when I was in Barcelona. I heard all of this talk and when I was in was it Bayern yeah. when I went to Bayern he said people were still talking about Manchester City and the money and all that type of stuff and he says now I'm here he said it's still ongoing yeah. and sometimes, well, sometimes it can be it, you know it, it it can be jealousy I mean it, it being honest if the, if Man City were Leeds yeah. I wouldn't care no well, listen, you know. let's put it this way he just has to get on with his job football wise. Yeah. He can't be worrying about yeah. that. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, listen, Gary, we're going to have to go to a break. We've got Darren Shields next on to talk about the Autumn Internationals. You're listening to Liffy Sound on 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffy Sound 96.4 FM. Joining us on the line is Darren Shields, our go-to guy for everything rugby to talk about the Autumn Internationals, which we are in the middle of at the moment. Darren, welcome back to the big kickoff, as always. Darren, what's the story, buddy? How are you? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm, Listen, I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, long time. Yeah, I'm we haven't talked for a while. The Autumn Internationals yet. They haven't officially started. Have they not? Well, it's Autumn, so last I'm, I'm happy with again. that. Last week was a, a money Friendly. spinner. It was a money spinner. Tomorrow. Tell us, why Chicago? Uh, it was part of a deal set up uh, to try and promote rugby more over in uh, Chicago and generally the, the kind of east coast of America. Um, but I think you could see from the numbers at the, the stadium over in Soldier Field there the last day, it was nowhere near what they got for the, the All Blacks. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think even a lot of the Irish fans that would travel for a one-off occasion, like seeing the All Blacks play Ireland in America weren't really getting up for Ireland B versus Italy B. You know, that kind of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So, 57-7, um, what does that tell us? What do we learn from it? Do we learn anything? Uh, I think we learned that we've we've finally started to get really good depth in, in the squad. You know what I mean? If you look at there's 40 to 45 players that, you know what I mean, are of a standard you'd be happy enough to bring to a World Cup. Uh, which is a, a new and wonderful thing for, for Irish fans. Um, I think it's a, the Italy are the opposite. I think like they were missing a huge amount of their, their starting 15 and they didn't really have anything uh, to deal with the Irish once they kind of started to open up. Um, I think like it was close enough up until halftime. It was a 14-7 um, by halftime, but I think it was 40 points to nil then in the second half. Um, or close to it, so yeah. it was. It, it it was one of those things that Italy would hang in as long as they could. Uh, but you know, realistically, the the, the golfing class just really showed, and I think the golfing physicality as well to a certain degree. Once the the Italians started to tire in the second half, Jordan Larmer hat trick. Obviously, how good is he? How good can he be? Oh, he's sensational! Like he really is. Um, how good can he be? I I, I think it's one of those things that. His mentality seems to be outstanding. Um, Any time I've seen him interviewed from the time he first started to break in through the uh, the Leinster setup, um, he's always had that 
kind of, I wouldn't say brashness, but just a, a kind of level of self-confidence uh, that, you know, he didn't get phased by big occasions or playing against certain players or playing with certain players, which can be just as daunting sometimes when you break into a, a kind of successful squad. You're kind of, oh my God, that's such and such a guy from the seniors. You know what I mean? And you, yeah. you're just after taking a step up from the academy. Um, but I don't think making mistakes in games doesn't seem to put him off or phase him. And he just seems to get about doing what he does best. And like, really, that's just when you get give him ball and just let him run at people. It is absolutely frightening. Um, like, it's not often at international level. And, you know, we kind of take it with a, a pinch of salt, the, the standard of the Italians um, for someone to the, the tries that he scored. But he can make international players fresh air tackle him. Like, they can't get a hand on him. You wouldn't get him in a game of tip. Like, it's absolutely frightening. And the, the speed he can change direction at, um, his sidestep, especially when he does that kind of double-footed sidestep, where he's literally, he jumps in the air and he looks to see what side you favour as a defender. You know, are you going to try and hedge your bets and, you know, second guess where he's going to go and he just goes the opposite direction and then leaves you totally bamboozled you know what I mean it's a phenomenal thing to watch and Darren so, just just it's, it's Gary here standing standing in as one of the players um, how difficult you know do you think it is a task for Conor O'Shea in Italy you know do you think Conor will be given the time or do you think he'll um, I th- yeah I think he'll be given he'll be given a bit more time I think the, the clubs are starting to get a little bit more success now they're, they're picking up more wins uh, in the league than they had been originally. Mm. Um, I, st- I still think it, it's, a, it's a tough task. And it's one of those ones where he has to try and get the balance right between getting um, naturalised players in where you've got you know some Kiwi lads that are playing over there. And they, you know, mm. they're not of the best standard, but you know, compared to the homegrown talents, you know they will they will fill in and they'll you know they might be a good uh, sub prop to bring on or mm-hmm. you know players like that. We also have our own uh, Irish, uh, the Irish Italian. What would it be? Um, the inspirational story, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young lad McGinley playing uh, came on as a sub ten for Italy, mm-hmm. um, who is had been playing with Leinster and then lost an eye in a club game or lost the use of an eye in a club game, and uh, basically worked himself up from coaching underage in Italy to play over there. It's trying to get that balance between, you know, are they actually breeding new players? Have they got a new generation of lads that are coming through and trying to better the fellas in front of them? Mm-hmm. That's always the hardest thing when you're you're trying to build towards something. We saw uh, what Pat Lamb was able to set up in Connacht. Yeah. Um, that even after he left, there was still enough of a momentum and enough of a um, an emphasis on the academy when he was there that there were lads coming through with experienced players to kind of go, okay, well, we get a, a, a bit of success, but the next group of lads coming after me, like, I think we can beat that. Mm-hmm. I think we could be better. We can be a bit more professional. We can be a little bit better in our organisation and our setup, and uh, hopefully that will take them on a little mm-hmm. bit because. The other option then is that it starts opening up the argument of do we get 
bring in a kind of relegation system yeah. into like somebody like nation. Romania, Romania or something comes in and all yeah, these, yeah. You know, do you, do you let a, a Romania, a Georgia, mm. you know, a, a Spain, one of these kind of second tier teams? Mm. Um, do you let them come up and challenge? You know what I mean? So I, I, I think if that became an, I think that would just get too messy and it would dilute, you know, the Six Nations yeah. away from anything that would be. You know, resembling the 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 old Five Nations as we would have kind of grown up with. And how would um, sorry, there? How how would how do the rest of the countries improve then? If there if there's never going to be because obviously there's a lot more uh, European teams now that are you know trying to get to the next level. How do they improve themselves if they if they haven't got these competitions to sort of look up? Do you see Argentina? Have uh, obviously joined with the the, the, old the southern and, yeah the southern yeah. hemisphere and uh, it's obviously going to improve them. So how did the others uh, try to improve? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. I had thought about that when I when I saw Argentina and they went into the the old Tri Nations and they created the championship out of it. But I think an awful lot of that momentum that they have they've lost now again. You mm. know what I mean? And they 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 are struggling for form in certain um, in a lot of the games that I watched them play this season. Yeah, because um, I think I saw them play. Was it was it Darren? Was it South Africa? They were sort of leading, and then the South Africans just blew them away, and they ended up getting finishing. Yeah, they, were, they ended up they getting the wooden spoon. That was it. They mm. were absolutely hammering, and they had a similar thing against New Zealand as well. Yeah, and um, they were um, they were all over them for long periods of time, and then just like that, it's just there was a mentality shift. Once they kind of conceded a try or two, there seemed to be that inevitability of mm. oh no, we're going to lose it again. But it I think do a lot of the a lot of the Argentinians don't they play in France and the French league? They're always talking about the the French league being very tough on players. Where you know we get lads, they get a good break if they're playing for Ireland. Yeah, they do, but they also set up like they had the original idea for setting up the uh, Argentinian federation to go into the the championship was that they had a club. Um, they have the Jaguars that play in the Super Rugby, mm. um, in the Southern Hemisphere Rugby, and basically that it would be like a Leinster, you know what I mean, that you are centrally contracted players to play for Argentina and for the club side, and that they would be able to manage things a little bit better through that. But um, I think, again, it's one of the things, that, as a, a lot of the Kiwi teams have seen and the Australian teams in particular have, have spotted, the money isn't in that competition that they think it deserves. And what happens then is you get players that are kind of going, well, why am I slogging it around here and traveling half the way around the world for a match when I could be up playing in a France and on twice or three times the money I'm on now? Mm. Yes, I won't get international rugby, but... I'll you make know, a living. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it, it is. It, it, there's a finite amount of time uh, that you can put into it as a mm. career. Yeah, um, you saw, so we saw it with saw it with Chris yeah. Henry. Chris Henry retiring at thirty four from Ulster. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, exactly. Yeah. You've got um like if you look at some of the lads, even the likes of James Lowe that has come from New Zealand up to Leinster, right? Mm. He has a problem with his hip and basically knows that his career could be over any time in the next two to three years. So the idea was, well, you know, where he could probably stay down there and get full all black caps. Um, if he comes up to Europe, he'll get more money. There's obviously the success rates that, you know what I mean, you get when you join a team like Leinster. Um, and now there's already talk, you know, that within the next 18 months, he could be uh, in under the, 
the nationalisation rule that he could end up playing for Ireland. So right. it's, it's a weird thing the way they're trying to balance it up. It is something that Australia have done really, or have dealt with really badly um, because they've tried to plough huge amounts of money into keeping their big name signings playing in Australia. But it means then they've no money to invest in grassroots and they've really, really lost the, the kind of the goodwill that with um, supporters, grassroots clubs, all of that kind of stuff. Even yeah. the school system over there, it isn't what it used to be. And the the kind of passion that they used to have behind it, people are kind of gone now. Nah, we just go back to like rugby league was always bigger than rugby union over there. Mm. Um, the AFL, the Australian rules has branched out into new territories and new franchises and Union is really, really struggling at that kind of base level to, to get a ground in and get players in. Yeah. So you kind of, you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If you don't keep the big names in, people aren't going to go and watch it but if you put the big, if you pay, spend all the money on your big players and you've no money to keep uh, kids and amateurs playing, then um, you're not going to really get that support. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's Argentina in Dublin on Saturday. Uh, Darren, Rob Carney's out, Conor Murray's out, Devin Toner is on the bench, and Sean O'Brien gets back in for the first time in a year. What do you make of the team selection? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I think I think it's one of those things that no matter who you pick in that, you are going to get every last ounce of effort out of that, that player. Like, it's not even that Lanza looking as far ahead as I need to make an impression so that I get into the World Cup squad next year. Lanza literally looking to the following week going, I need to play out of my skin to just to be in that 22-man squad yeah. for the All Blacks game. You want to and not I get mean, forgotten, don't you? That's it. You know what I mean? Like I, It was something that we had. The gang of us in work would have always been chatting about with the, the likes of Devin Toner. That Devin Toner to, to us or to me would have always played like that guy who thinks he's going to be the first guy dropped. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of myself when I played with Luke and United. Just had that kind of <laughs> we hadn't got the players up. there. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> well, they usually say, isn't it, Devin Toner is elegant like a giraffe. <laughs> but he has that it, you know what I mean there was always that kind of he would give absolutely everything mm. and that would be enough to set him apart you know that kind of way but now you're looking at you know the likes of Sean O'Brien I get, you know isn't starting for most of his games because people are looking going well who do you drop out of you're not going to drop a Manny you're probably not going to drop CJ Stander it's very hard to drop Dan Levy apart from the fact that he picked up an injury Josh Van de Fleer before him had been ripping everybody apart for the first two or three games in the Six Nations mm. last year right. and nobody would have given Dan Levy the time of day but then there's just so many of them mm. and they all want that spot and you can and see it you can see it with whatever you know, it takes Rob Kearney know? Rob Kearney would have always been a starter and now he's sort of lost out to Larmer Jordan Larmer yeah well I know? think that I think that's going to be an interesting one for the All Blacks game I still reckon if Kearney's hamstring recovers in time they'll start him against the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, he was I back in training, wasn't he there? He might be, yeah. I think I think he's back doing a bit, but he, they rested him for the first two days of this week. Right. So I reckon it's one of those things that they just don't want to risk it at this stage. Um, yeah. And especially when you have the ability to be able to call in young lads and give them a shot and know that they won't let you down. Mm. And if anything, they'll put more pressure on the senior player that you know you're looking after, kind of going, look, but 
you can take the extra week off and make sure your injury is okay, but it's not going to be a guarantee that you're going to get picked at the end of it. You know, that kind yeah. of way, which is, yeah. is a phenomenal thing to have that even your, you know, your centrally contracted uh, superstar experienced players are genuinely looking over their shoulder going, Jesus, I, I better not have a bad game today because X, Y, and Z are coming up and they will take my spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we've got to, hopefully we've got to that point now. I think Schmidt has shown that, you know, he doesn't really care who he picks once they're coming in and they're filling into his system. And if you don't make, if you're one of those players that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, he will reward, he will be loyal to you. You know, that kind of way. It's yeah. just a, it, he really has more. the he has the team in a, in a great place mentally, doesn't he? Because, oh, yeah. you, as you said, it's very hard. I've seen it in so many teams before. It can be very hard to keep everyone's focus that high. And he's yeah. done it not just with a starting team, and he's not just done it with the squad. He's nearly doing it with the whole of Irish uh, rugby because everyone wants to be part of an Irish team now. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and I, like I've been lucky enough now to see a couple of his sessions and I, I actually he, um, took a session on one of the teams I was coaching before and the attention to detail and it's not even over it's not like he's doing overly complicated things in training you know what I mean there's simple handling drills simple rooking drills um, but it's just the accuracy has to be there and he's ruthless like if you're running a drill and you make a mistake you're gone you're out of there and you wait for your turn to come up again. Like there's no, oh, go back to the start and have a run at that again. She you nearly got it. You know what I mean? It's either you did or you didn't. And yeah. that's kind of the be all and end all of it. And to see, you know, top name stars getting, you know, getting punished in the same way you would for, you know, a, a, an under 12 who doesn't run the right line. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. Is, it's great for young lads to see because you know what I mean. They kind of go, look, it doesn't matter how good you are or how amazing you think you are. You know what I mean. There's still a job to be done, and you're there as part of a team. And if you run your own kind of thing, and it doesn't work out, you know what I mean. Well, we don't need you. Yeah. You can go off and play with somebody else. This is a my way to highway, baby. Keep you grounded. <laughs> Keep you That's grounded. It. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Listen, England are playing a, a big game because it's always a big game no matter who the All Blacks are playing against the All Blacks this weekend. What do we expect from England? And is it we just know what we expect from New Zealand? Um, I don't know. It's a hard one to call with New Ze- or with England. Um, I watched the, the full South Africa game last week and couldn't get over how England managed to get into half-time only two points down. Hmm. Uh, the South Africans had three kickable penalties that they would have gone in, whatever, what was that, made it, 11 points ahead of half time if they had taken them. But they were so dominant in the line-out that they decided they'd go for the line-out. Atoje got a yellow, uh, yellow card and sent him in then for 10 minutes. And they decided, let's put the pressure on. And then they made some horrendous calls in the line-out. They were thrown to the back of the line-out, which is obviously a far more difficult throw the hooker can be hit and miss with his long, with his thrown to six at best of times. You're like, oh, why are they overcomplicating things? Why are they making things difficult? And they coughed up three guilt-edged opportunities to, at the very least, get nine points. But you know, realistically, a team of that standing with the lineup that they have, uh, 
they should have been absolutely romping ahead of England. And then England came out in the second half and, you know, made a good show of themselves. Uh, Johnny made it well on the wing. Um, Farrell, again, was kind of influential in the centre. Ben Teo did well to actually hang in for the game because he was only back from injury. But realistically, it should have just been dead and buried by half-time and England kind of going off thinking, is Eddie Jones the guy to lead us into um, the, the World Cup next yeah, year? Man. You know what I mean? Because they'd be looking at it kind of going, well, do we do we risk him for a six? Do we go with a Six Nations or do we get a new coach in? Because he's, he's had a bad run of things. Um, and can you put your finger year. on why it's there's been a, a, a bit of a shake? I don't know. A lot of them are saying that a, a lot of the thinking if you listen to the English media, is they're getting very bitter now and they're like, oh, well, we can't all be like Ireland where they have centrally contracted players. All our lads are coming through um, the Premiership week in, week out, and there's a far higher attritional rate in the style of rugby that they play, but also in the, the regular games that they have to play. You know, the first six weeks back into the season, everybody's playing. You, you basically, you put your best squad out week in, week out, and then you see what's left standing at the end of it. Whereas, as we would know, once the uh, the league kicks off, the the Pro 14 kicks off, you're kind of looking at, okay, well, it'll be about three, four weeks before we get some of the guys who've been on summer duty back. And then the high-end internationals will be back two weeks before the Heineken Cup. And then they'll play two games maybe, start playing two more Heineken Cup games. Then they'll take a week or two off. Then they'll go in, they'll play their autumn internationals. Uh, they'll come back after that then. They'll have the last two games before Christmas of the um, Heineken Cup. And then they'll rest them again over Christmas. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of way. So I just don't, I just don't think... But they have a far bigger squad of players to pick from. Yeah, I just don't think England are very exciting as Ireland. You know, like there's Ireland can definitely have a plan A, have a plan B, have a plan C. But like with, uh, I can't stand Eddie Jones anyway. No, but um, no, I'm, and most I'm people can't. But I mean, I think I England always revert to physical. If things aren't going yeah. well, they just send the big lads on and they just bash everybody. Yeah, well, and I think I think that's the problem is that they've had that and it it doesn't really work. The times when they have kind of broke teams down, um, when they were winning things, when Jones first took over, part of it was that it's nearly like he's the the anti-Stuart Lancaster. You know, that kind of suit <laughs> yeah. Lancaster was very much about, you know, the lads are role models, they're, you know, representing their country, they should have a, abide by a certain culture in the way that they, you know, look after themselves and present themselves and, you know, even how they play on a pitch. But Jones is a bit more kind of brash and cocky and, you know, this is what we are. And that seems to fit better with a lot of the English players and a lot of the supporters, especially when they're winning. But the problem is now that you know now that it starts to go pear shaped, all of a sudden people are like, oh, "Is this really the way we want to go?" And you know, every decision that he makes is going to get second guessed. Yeah. You know that kind of way, which and is the last he, thing you want as a manager. At the last, didn't at the last match? Didn't he give? Did he give a first cap to some fella who was thirty-two or something like that, or into his thirties yeah. anyway? And I see they're just looking at the internet that. Uh, Chris Chris Ashton is back for his first start in four years so he's really to me scraping the barrel well I think the thing with Ashton was that uh, Ashton went to France and played you know he basically went over and signed a massive contract over in France and played over there for a couple of years so they weren't going to pick him while he was in France because they, they still have that rule 
Um, I think was it. I think uh, ironically, I think it was a guy called Shields that they brought in uh, to play six there last weekend, and he was very very poor. Mm. Um, he just looked out of his depth. It was a he threw an offload at one stage when he made a break in the in the second half, and it was one of the worst offload attempts I've ever seen. He literally just threw the ball in the air and then got knocked into touch. And he, everybody around him was kind of going, "Okay, this this guy just does, isn't up to scratch." Now he has had an awful lot of injury issues, and they are he's kind of at a point where they're looking at the likes of James Haskell, who's been around the block numerous times for England, and was kind of put out as yesterday's news and now they're kind of going well do we go back there again do we yeah. try and get someone younger to kind of come through um, the likes of Launchbury uh, was out injured last week as well which means then you've got uh, Cruz and Atoje in the second row which is a really really good second row pairing but the problem is then you don't have that the finishers as they call it you know if you look at the Irish squad they can make a decision to leave a better player on the bench yeah. Because they know when they bring him on then in the second half that he's coming on against uh, a weakened opposition due yeah. to fatigue. Yeah. Um, which could be what you see against New Zealand. Like You may see Gary Ringrose, who's been playing out of his skin at the moment, or and Jordan Lamar as well, um, being left on the bench deliberately to bring them on with 25 minutes to go. Um, that you use your uh, Bundy Aki and your, Gary, or your Robbie Henshaw yeah. to kind of wear a team down because they're big and they're strong and they're physical and they can match the big and strong and physical that's going to be coming up against them. And then later when you think there's, or when you know there's going to be a bit more space to be had in broken play, that's when you bring on your pacey guys that can sidestep people in their sleep. You know that kind of way? So yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, two big games at the weekend. There's a few more internationals on as well, but... Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have the time to go through everything, but uh, there we will definitely get you on by the end of November to go through the, the, the whole lot of the internationals. Awesome stuff. Brilliant. Dar, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dar. Great stuff. Thanks. Right, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Tune to Sound 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Darren Shields knows his rugby. And you can talk about it, and we're delighted to have him on. And that's a big game Saturday. Make sure you have a look. 0870627138 if you want to text. Again, always get on to us if you want to uh, through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the big kickoff 94 or 96.4 at gmail.com. No, now, no excuses for not getting in contact. No excuses. No. And uh, um, always, if it's criticism, tell us how rubbish we are. Yeah. Get on to us. Puppies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, look, it's one of those things. I, if, if we're meant to be moving forward and, you know, in a, in a period of reconciliation and all of that, I don't see an issue with it. But then, of course, you could turn around and say, well, then we want to see all the English people wearing shamrocks on the 17th, which they probably wouldn't. Probably, I, I think they probably would have a spite with it. <laughs> they probably would, but I mean, it can be taken one of two ways. That if you do wear it, you know, it's taken as a gesture that you're remembering, you know, the the fallen in the 
in the, the First World well, originally War. Originally it was for, That's, it wasn't just the fallen, mm. it was the British soldiers yeah. who had fallen in any combat. Mm. I think it might have been originally the World War, but yeah. then it went on to the Falklands, yeah. up the north, and basically gener yeah. generally all yeah. British yeah. soldiers. So you can understand why some people would, again, like Matic, mm. whose country was bombed, even though it, it, it wasn't the case that he grew up in that. It wasn't mm. the case that uh, in that situation yeah. there was... There was uh, Yugoslavia obviously yeah. had a lot of problems yeah. but up the north obviously the same thing people had to grow up with that mm. and, and they don't always have good memories mm. of British mm. soldiers like, see, we don't know like I like, you know the same with black people I don't know what it's like and I don't know what it's like to be or what James McLean has gone through Yeah, but I mean if if his way is he doesn't want to wear one well then so that's be fine it. so be it he, he shouldn't have to wear it you yeah. know it, it's just I think it's it's PC it, the, the world, and I'm not saying everybody should be racist and just shout abuse and all that, but I think the PC has gone too far yeah. in the fact that if you express, you just say, look, my my opinion is I don't want to wear a poppy. Then yeah. you just say, okay, you don't have. But suddenly everybody, oh, you, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's not, and, but the thing is, is that, and I'm, I'm just going to play a clip here mm. because this is the, exactly what I'm going to talk about. Mm. For me, and I know a lot of other football fans, the property is so, so important to us. And it means that we're remembering the fallen soldiers, uh, which means that we're lucky enough to have our lives as they are now and, and have, have the, uh, the Premier League. And the Premier League is such a global, global game that having these poppies embroidered on the shirts shows to other countries around the world how proud we are um, of, uh, of the, the fallen soldiers and how we absolutely love these poppies. Um, yes, they, they are entitled uh, to their opinions. Um, you know, James McLean has suffered so much abuse and I don't advocate anybody going on social media and giving him abuse. That, there's no room no, for that in the game no. whatsoever. However, for me, and I know you will disagree, but it's been said already, if you choose to come to the Premier League and play your football here and earn thousands and thousands of pounds a week, you should respect how important the poppy is to us. And if you can't wear it for one game a year, you shouldn't come and play your football here. Simple as that. They've chosen to come and play their football in this country. Uh, we all go to work and we earn very modest wages. These ones who are not wearing them, they're millionaires. Absolutely millionaires. Sure, money's got nothing to do with it, David, surely. What basically the, the 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 bigger picture here is what you're saying to us this morning is that Matic and McLean should be told you're wearing one. If they've chosen to come and play their football in this country, it becomes an uh, it makes them millionaires. Um like I said, you know, we we're we're so grateful for, for our fallen soldiers. And that is why the world is like it is today. And that is why there is a Premier League. They are lucky enough to be able to live their lives as millionaires and play their football. They should respect what, what we all do. Well, when I think he th he's talking about respect, he should respect that some footballers don't want to wear them. Exactly. It's this, I tell you, it's about England. And it's not, I'm not, they're all the same. It's, it's this colonial empire, you know, like we've nearly built the world the English and stuff like that, that people should wear the poppies but it's respect the world war was a world war mm. and the English soldiers weren't the only ones who were in that world war mm. so if Italians if Irish if Americans 
Germans, whoever it is, if mm. they don't want to wear the puppy, they shouldn't have to wear the no. puppy. So no. this thing of you, because you're a millionaire and you're earning money yeah. in that country, something has to be forced on top of you. Mm. Mm. I mean, anyhow, it's... it's. I think Jim was right, you know, when your man starts bringing in money, money's nothing to nothing. do with it. No. If it's respect, you should respect that a fellow doesn't want to wear it. But Under 21 manager. Yeah, no king. No, no king, king has now been what talent spotter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So he's just going to point I, and I, say that's, think, that's Roy Keane over there. Yeah, I think he's just been moved out of the position uh, gently, and he's mm. been given a, a, a cushy job, mm. which well, I think he's had his time, and I think that, that that's been enough. But there mm. is six potential new candidates for the job. Everyone knows, of course, that Robbie Keane. Uh, Robbie Keane, Robbie, I love, it's my great club, it's always been my dream to manage the <laughs> under-21s. <laughs> so Robbie, Robbie has, a, ha, has a chance, Damien Duff is being touted as well, uh, I'm not so mm. sure, sure Damien, he's, uh, mm. he's doing okay, I, I don't think he's done completed his task at Shamrock no. Rovers, again Robbie Keane hasn't had any uh, experience they, either. They haven't made any mistakes, I no. suppose. Lee Carsley. Uh, he's been at the Manchester City Academy and so it might be a little better Tom Mahan and Colm O'Brien and then of course Stephen Kenny gets in on the act mm. as well a lot of people would be touting Stephen Kenny as yeah. the next Ireland manager uh, these, I think these positions are important though as well mm. because yeah, you want to have someone I think if I had the choice there I'd go with Lee Carsley would you? Mm. yeah Lee's always been someone I mean good professional yeah <clears throat> Good for Ireland. Mm. Always put a shift in. Mm. And uh, he has been around in England uh, coaching mm. a lot. I think that he will be... He's like a Glenn Whelan, but with talent. Glenn Whelan with talent. God. Yeah. Glenn. Yeah. I'm, I, I always have admiration. I, don't, no, I give out about Glenn Whelan. I know mm. it because I, 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 it's not really him. It's, it's maybe the manager picking mm. certain players. It's not only Glenn Whelan, though, so mm. it's not really thing. But... I always have admiration for how much work they put oh, in. Oh, yeah. Like he does what it when says it, on the When you team. have limited... Yeah. And yeah. to get yourself into a position where you're playing for your yeah. country and you're mm. playing professional football. Uh, but Lee Carsley, yeah, uh, Lee Carsley would have been a yeah. better player. Yeah. But I think he has done all his, 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 obviously his badges and what have you, but he's mm. gone through the underage system in England. Mm. And I definitely think that he would be... Uh, I think he'd be a good one. choice. I wouldn't go for Robbie Keane or, no. or Damien Duff. I don't think so. I don't think they have enough experience. Mm. Uh, if anything, if you're going to go back to anyone, you'd go Brian Kerr. But I don't think Brian Kerr is interested anymore no. because he's seen the whole... He's gone through it and stuff like that. Yeah. He probably just wants to do the cushy, you know, commentating, you know. But no, Lee Carsley, we've we've voted. We'll start this. We'll start the Lee Carsley uh, <laughs> petition now. I think he'd be good. So do I. You know. Okay, listen, we had a couple more things to talk about. There was a bit of boxing. There was a bit of League of Ireland. I was going to talk about the DDSL, but we're going to leave that till next week. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of rugby talk, so and there's nothing wrong with that because yeah. we're... Smack bang in the middle. No, no, he put me in my place there. We're number, we're we're number, we're number two oh, in the world, aren't we? We are number behind two. The all, behind the All Blacks. When do you think you'd see that? 2019 is the big That's year. That's it. Okay, listen, thanks very much. You've got Luke and Live next. Oh, Gary, quickly. Yeah. Your show. Give yourself a show. For, uh, yeah, so don't forget every Thursday, seven to nine, ultrasounds with myself, two hours of rubbish and music and stuff like that, the usual old stuff. And then I might be here next week. You never know. Never know. You never, never know. know. Talk to you next week. Bye.